Welcome to Eat, Capture, Share, the podcast for food bloggers and food photographers who want to earn an income doing what they love. My name is Kimberly. I'm your host. Episode 79. Welcome back, everybody, to the Eat, Capture, Share podcast. I'm so glad you're here. My name is Kimberly Espinel. I'm a food photographer. I'm a teacher. I'm the author of the Amazon bestselling book, Creative Food Photography, and also a creative business mentor for food photographers and food bloggers just like you. Today, I wanted to share with you the five life lessons that I learned from self-publishing my book, Creative Food Photography. And my hope is that even if you don't intend to self-publish, even if you don't intend to ever write a book, that some of the lessons here will still be helpful and informative and applicable to you as you embark on your journey as a food photographer, as a food blogger, or as a creative in this online world. Right, before I head into the episode, I wanted to apologize for not doing an episode last week. I had this big, big goal at the end of 2021, and I talked about it in the podcast as well, I'll link to that episode, to be a little bit more consistent with the podcast because A, I love it, and B, I know it's the content that you love the most too. And so I set that goal and I was all excited about it. And we were on cloud nine and what have you. And then when January rolled around, I was like, wait a minute, I haven't pre-recorded anything. I don't really know what I'm going to be talking about this season. So we were left kind of scrambling last minute. And I had a meeting with one of my team members this week. And what we identified is that A, I need to get better batch recording. So I'm building that into my calendar. Watch this space. And we need to be much more forward thinking when it comes to the topics that we want to tackle and the guests that we want to speak to. So it's in the works and I think we're going to get better. So for now, I'm hoping to do two episodes a month. And after Easter, I hope that we'll manage to do about three. So fingers crossed. Right. Apologies out of the way. I wanted to chat a little bit more with you about some of the lessons that I learned from self-publishing my book, Creative Food Photography. I asked on Instagram stories if this was an episode that you'd be interested in, and the vast majority of you said yes. And also, it felt like the perfect topic to tackle, seeing that creative food photography turned one last month. And I have to say that on the 7th of January, as the book kind of made its way out into the world for the very first time, I could never have imagined that I'd be where I am today. Like I feel, I feel like a totally different person because bringing creative food photography into the world was transformative. And I've learned so, so much along the way that I'd really wanted to share with you. So for me, the very first lesson that was a really, really tough lesson to learn is that not everybody will like your work. And that seems obvious. Of course, not everybody will like your work. We all know this. But at the same time, being in a very, ultimately very contained and very safe space on Instagram where I can count on one hand the amount of times that I've dealt with trolls like 
essentially never. It's such an supportive, nice, fun, uplifting space. And everybody who does leave a comment, they're usually fun and everyone's telling you how amazing you are and how beautiful your work is. And, you know, I poured my heart and soul into writing creative food photography. And the fact that anybody would pick it up and be like, uh, I didn't even cross my mind. I was like, that's not going to happen. Like everyone's going to feel the kind of beating heart that created this book, surely. But it's definitely not like that. And that was a little bit of a wake up call to have people go on Amazon or Goodreads and leave a one star review because the book arrived damaged or They didn't like the quality of the paper or whatever. Honestly, that was a really, really hard pill to swallow. But I also think it gave me a flavor of what it actually really means to put your work out there beyond the contained space of Instagram and yeah, to get a thicker skin and to accept that not everybody will like what you do because you don't write for everybody, you write for your people. And that was, yeah, really eye-opening. So I've done a lot of thinking about this and wondered if I should have written a different book. But I think in a kind of very weird, paradoxical way, the fact that not everybody loved it meant that I feel like I'd made the right choices by not trying to appeal to everyone, but trying to appeal just to my people. And so my question to you would be when you create content and when you write a book or build an e-course or whatever the case may be to not let the naysayers deter you because there will be naysayers. And the important thing is you're not writing it for them really, right? You're writing it for your people. So that really was eye-opening, I think, you know, to find that people took the time to write you know, nasty reviews. Seth Godin always says that he never reads reviews because they don't give him the strength or, you know, creative insight to do something better and to write his next book. And part of me agrees with that. Like, it's so stressful (laughs) to read some sort of negative review, like somebody ranting and raving because they couldn't download the Kindle edition of the book. And so they gave it zero stars or whatever. But I have to say, As a first-time author, I did find it helpful to read all of the reviews because, to go back to the Kindle example, I am not a Kindle reader. I don't have a Kindle, so I don't know anything about it. I didn't know how it worked. I spent two weeks trying to research on YouTube and all sorts of blog posts to find out how to convert the file so that it's Kindle, and of course, Obviously, I failed. (laughs) I didn't know how to do it properly. So it was helpful for me to read that because ultimately what I did is I went and hired somebody to format it for me. And since then, there were no comments around the Kindle edition. And if I had not read the feedback around it, so there was a, a couple of people who had some something to say about the formatting, then I wouldn't have known and I wouldn't have been able to improve That said, I've now come to a place where I've stopped reading reviews. So if you want to leave a nasty one, I won't see it. (laughs) But I think it was really helpful to kind of open my eyes and to see that 
the product had to stand on its own feet. And regardless of how much heart and soul I poured into it, it needed to hold up out there, out in the world. And it did. And also for me to be open to criticism and to accept that I'm not everyone's cup of tea and that is okay. So that was a really important lesson and I'm glad I learned it. The second thing, and this is ultimately also why I wrote the book in the first place and what I'd hoped for and it came to fruition was I really wanted to establish myself as one of the main thought leaders in the food photography teaching space. Like I wanted to be considered and seen as an authority in that space. And I felt that writing a book would be a really powerful way to achieve that. And that was one of the reasons I wrote it. I felt the intense urge to create it. And I don't know, that was like an energy that came in me and just said, you got to do this. I'm not quite sure where that came from, but I just knew my heart of hearts. But that's kind of more on a feeling level, on a more strategic and practical level. I want it to be an authority in the food photography teaching space. And at that point, when I started writing the book, I think I'd been teaching food photography for about two years. And now, you know, now whatever, four years, five years in. And I think I could have taught for another 10 years. And the authority that I got from the book surpasses all the years that I taught the workshop. So I think that is something that no YouTube channel, no podcast, frankly, no amount of teaching can allow you to get that kind of authority status, that expertise status in the same way that writing a book can. And so what I'd love for you to think about is, is there something that you want to be known for? Is there something that you want to put your stake in the ground and say, this is who I am. This is what I do. And I'm really good at it. And I want you to know it, you know, and that should be what you write your book about. That would be my suggestion anyways. And I'm so, so glad that I did it because I feel the way that people treated me and the way that they looked at me and the way that they approached me and my work completely changed after I brought out creative food photography. What I would say is that rush of interest and respect that came from writing the book, I found that exhilarating, but also really overwhelming. I was like, wait a minute, it's like, I'm just, I'm used to just doing my thing and just the right amount of people noticing me and now suddenly kind of feeling thrown a little bit into the limelight, which is not where I naturally like to reside, so to say. That was overwhelming, exhilarating, and also really eye-opening. And for me, for that alone, for that recognition, respect, the book and all the blood, sweat and tears were worth it. And so again, if you are thinking about positioning yourself and, you know, definitely, definitely make a book part of that strategy. Connected to that, I would say, and, and that I hadn't really, I hadn't really thought so far ahead. But the third thing I learned is that a book in essence is really an opportunity or a gateway to other things. And this might sound like a little bit of a 
kind of roundabout way of <laughs> addressing this point. But I really felt that creative food photography was my book. Like that was the book I was destined to write. I had to write it like it was this book or nothing else. And actually what I realized is that creative food photography was just the start of lots of other things and that it was up to me to make the most of the opportunities that emerged from writing that book. So that the book in itself was the beginning, not the end. And I'd really seen it as the end, the end thing. Like that was it. Like if I do nothing else, I've published this book. When in fact, it was the beginning. And then when doors open, it is up to you to A, identify which of the doors you want to go through, which are worth it, and then to go for them. And so, you know, I now recognize a year on that creative food photography is the start of my writing career, I hope, (laughs) and not the be-all and end-all. And I think if I can't write all the other books that will come at some point without having done that. I couldn't have done all the other things that followed from that. And I'll, I'll talk a bit more about that in a second without that. And so I'd love for you also, if you are thinking about writing a book, but also for other projects and things that you're doing is not to think like, I need this one thing because this is it. This is all like, this is what my life depends on, but more to think about, okay, if I take this opportunity, how I'm going to use what I've learned, what I've gained to then do something that is the next step. I hope that makes sense. (laughs) Right. So the fourth thing I learned, and again, I'm going to talk about it in a little bit of a roundabout way, but I had hoped that because I put so much heart and love and energy into the book that my entire community would buy the book. And just as statistics show, the reality is that A, the vast majority of people don't buy or read books. So that's number one. And if you are like me and you love books, you're like, what? What? How is that possible? But that's the reality. The vast majority of people don't read books. I think I heard a stat two weeks ago or something like that in a podcast that said that 57% of Americans didn't buy or read a book from cover to cover in 2021. So that's more than 50%. And that's fair enough. We don't all learn in the same way. For me, I love sitting down with a book. That's how I learn. I'm not I don't watch television. I'm not really a YouTube watcher, but other people learn so much better through visuals and that's how their brain works. So everybody learns differently. So that's number one. But also, you know, if only one or 2% of your audience buys your book, what that also means is that around 99 or 98 to 99% of your audience doesn't buy from you and will never buy from you. And, you know, in a lot of ways, I knew that, right? Like I've been doing e-courses for donkey's years and I know exactly how many people I can expect. And if I look at the 100,000 plus Instagram followers I have or the people on my mailing list, the listeners here, I know that the majority of you don't buy from me and never will. And that has never bothered me before. So I've always accepted that, especially because I think, You know, a lot of my e-courses, they're a couple of hundred pounds. Like it's not just 
anything, right? And so I've never, never expected that. But with the book, I felt a stronger attachment to it. I put so much more significance to the book than I've done to anything that I've ever created. And there to have 98% of my audience who enjoy my free PDFs, who enjoy this free podcast, who join my challenges, who learn from all the carousels and all the things, all my teachings and my lives. And for them not to go and buy the book, I would be lying if I said that didn't hurt me, which is weird, right? Like, why would it? Like, it's just a product like anything else. And I've having been in this space for so long, I know it, but this felt like more personal. And that I had to do a lot of soul searching around that and kind of thinking about why I was being so judgmental. <laughs> really, you know, why was I being so just judgmental? If people don't learn through books, if they wouldn't find it helpful, why would I want them to buy it just to soothe my ego? Oh, no, like that's not the why I wrote it. Like I had to go back to why did I write the book? I didn't write the book for people to support me. I wrote the book in the hope that anybody who bought it find their style, find their voice, find courage to share the work online, share food photography tips, styling, whatever. Like that was my purpose. It wasn't about me. It was about the reader. It was about you. And so by turning it upside down and making it about me, I kind of was pulling away from my original why. And also not appreciating that 25 pounds is a lot of money for some people. And also that so many of you, even if you didn't buy the book, supported me and the book in so many other ways, just by telling a friend who you did feel needed it or resharing my story about it or whatever the case may be. So who was I to judge the 98% who didn't buy the book? But moreover, and this actually is the biggest lesson that I learned from it all, is how supportive the food photography community actually was. Like, I didn't want to focus on the people who didn't buy it, but what I needed to learn and what I needed to do was focus on the people who did buy it, who did support me. And so, so many of you did. My colleagues, so, so many of them posted about the book on their Instagram stories, hosted giveaways. I mean, colleagues who I didn't even expect it from, like it was unbelievable. And then also so many of you took it upon yourselves to not only buy yourselves a copy, but buy an extra copy, host a giveaway on your own accord. I mean, I was moved to tears a couple of times. I just, I had never expected that. And so I was thinking, why am I focusing on people who the book is not right for, who cannot afford it, who don't want it? Why don't I focus on all the creatives who have brought the book into their lives, into their homes, onto their bookshelves, supported me through emails. That's what I really wanted to focus on. And not just that, but I was actually completely blown away by how supportive our community is, how supportive the food photography and food blogging community is. I think it is exceptional. It's amazing. And uh, I just felt part of it. I felt so in the middle of it and so grateful to be part of it. So that was lesson number four. Right. The very last lesson, I think probably for me, the most, the biggest one and the most 
transformative. And the phrase that keeps coming in my mind is is the name of Glennon Doyle's podcast. I've not listened to it actually, but her title, I love the title of her podcast. It is We Can Do Hard Things. I think that's the name of the, the podcast. And honestly, for me, writing the book was hard, but everything that came after the marketing, the publishing, the printing, the dealing with the trolls and everything that came after it, honestly, was was really tough. Really brought me to my knees. Like it was really, really hard. But I did it. <laughs> and it made me realize that I'm so much more capable of things than I had given myself credit for. And I don't think I'm alone in that. I think there's so many things that we don't believe that we can do that we don't try to do because we've told ourselves we can't do, we're not ready, somebody else is better at it, or, you know, all the stories that we tell ourselves. And that stops us in our tracks. But when we do really big and scary things, they can be completely transformative because it's kind of like there's a whole other you on the other side of big, scary things, of hard things. For me, it was the writing of this book, the self-publishing of this book, the marketing of this book, and the whole entire journey that came with it. That was my hard thing. But your hard thing could be something totally different. I don't know, you know, it could just be publishing your blog or starting your Instagram or pitching to clients. I don't know what your hard thing is. This was my hard thing. And I can honestly say going through it, surviving it, (laughs) that just was like, wait a minute, I've done this. So if I get an inquiry to shoot for Otsalengi or whatever, I'm not going to say no because I'm too scared. I just know now I can do it. And everything that came after just felt like, not a walk in the park, that, that sounds a bit ridiculous, but just felt like if I could do that hard thing, now I can do so many other things. I know I have it in me. And that newfound confidence just honestly has completely transformed and changed the trajectory of my career. So I would say I was doing quite well before and there's nothing to complain about. But in retrospect, I can see that there were so many things that I said no to or so many opportunities I didn't pursue because I didn't feel ready or didn't feel strong enough or didn't feel have the skills. And now I just don't feel like that anymore. So I've said yes to much, much bigger and more challenging things off the back of the confidence that I gained through bringing food photography to life. And sometimes we do things that seems scary in the moment. And we only see them as that thing. So I looked at it as self-publishing my book, that that was the thing. But actually, a lot of the times there's so many other elements and facets that come with doing that hard thing that you don't even realize and don't, can't anticipate, can't know. And so for me, I had to step into a leadership role in a way that I had never before. I had to make really big scary financial decisions that I'd never made before. I had to 
really fine tune my business smarts and my marketing skills in a way that I'd never done before. And I didn't know when I said yes to the book and when I said yes to self-publishing the book, that these were skills that I was going to develop and, you know, create for myself. And again, like I'd love you to think about if you pitched to that one client that you're so scared about pitching, or let's say they say no, you'll get that rejection and you'll still wake up the next day and be able to create and know that you can deal with it. Or if they say yes, you might think that you're they're saying yes to you doing a photo shoot, but that might turn into you having to drop contracts for the first time, you having to learn about licensing. Like there's so many other things that could come out of that. There's so many other learnings and growth opportunities and that lie on the other side of the hardest thing that you'll do in your career. And seeing that, knowing that, understanding that, recognizing that changed everything. And that was definitely the biggest lesson. And it's also why I feel like I'm a completely different person now, a year on. And the lesson, I guess, that I'd love to leave you with, like what is possible for you if you do something big and scary, something that you don't think right now that you can, but what if you took baby steps or even big steps towards making that thing happen? Like what would be possible for you? What could be on the other side of that fear? So that's it. Those are my five lessons. And on that note, if you don't have a copy of Creative Food Photography and you're like, actually, this sounds kind of good. I'd love to read a little bit more about what Kimberly thought and how she approaches her food styling and her editing. I will pop a link to the book and everything and anything else mentioned in today's episode in the show notes. I'll also link to some of the other episodes that I've done about self-publishing and writing a book in case that is something that you're thinking about. So be sure to check it out. I will do my utmost to create another solo episode this month and possibly a blog post. And then, as I said, from kind of late March, mid-April, we should be in a more kind of regular, regular swing of things with the podcast. I've got lots of interviews lined up, lots of amazing guests already. Like, you know, we're going bigger and better this season, I think. And I'd love for you to tune in. Most importantly, please, please, please don't forget to hit the follow button or subscribe wherever it is that you're listening to. That button may look a little bit differently so that you don't miss out as it's still a little bit ad hoc and a little bit less regular than I'd like it to be. So that's the best, best way to stay abreast of episodes and developments. And of course, the bestest place to hear about it is on my newsletter. So I will pop a link to how you can subscribe and join there in the show notes as well. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope the episode was helpful and can't wait to connect with you again soon. Before I leave you, I wanted to say thank you so, so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoy the podcast. I also wanted to let you know that this podcast was brought to you by my Eat, Capture, Share newsletter community, and I'd love for you to join. I will pop the details on how you can join my creative community in the show notes, so do go and check it out. Also, if you enjoy the podcast, it means so much if you can rate, review, and subscribe. 
all those things will help the podcast to grow and to reach the right audience. And yeah, you'd kind of make my day. All right. See you soon. Take care.